Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Alex Housen, and this is Right Medicine, a weekly podcast that explores best practices in creating content that connects with and educates health professionals. I'm a former nurse and an academic who spent the last 16 years as an independent medical writer and researcher, creating and evaluating education content for health professionals. If your work involves planning, designing, delivering or evaluating education for health professionals, this podcast is for you. This episode of Right Medicine is brought to you by Right CME Pro, a membership-driven community that provides skills, scaffolding and support for medical writers who want to create CME content with confidence. Right CME Pro gives you access to expert perspectives to help you build your CME writing skills, a portfolio accelerator to hold space so that you can create stunning samples to show your prospects, group coaching to help you build foundational and expert knowledge in CME, and more. Right CME Pro is a community for people like you who are ready to grow their CME writing niche, or niche, if that's how you say it. See the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome. This is Right Medicine and I'm your host, Alex Heisen. And I'm here today with Holly Hagen, who is a medical writer and success coach for medical writers. And today we're going to be talking about some of the challenges and opportunities for medical writers as they move into the world of employment and job seeking. Welcome, Holly. Thank you. It's good to be here. Oh, it's good to see you. And so, you know, I always start the podcast by asking you to introduce yourself, just to share a little bit about who you are and some of the work that you do. Yeah, well, I'm a medical writer by trade. That was my first job out of grad school was medical writing. And I focused on medical copywriting. So that's the promotional side of medical writing. And that was great. I did that for a few years until I went as a freelancer. I started freelancing about seven years ago or so. And that's been a great experience. Most recently, I've started a coaching practice for medical writers. After getting certified as a coach, I teach medical writers, medical copywriting, and as well as the coaching. So I want to ask, you know, I'm curious, what is, well, two questions. You know, you said you kind of ended up in medical copywriting out of college. So what did that route look like? And what does medical copywriting entail? Yeah, so that that route was what I hear a lot of medical writers say by falling into it. So I <sighs> knew that I wanted to be a medical writer. I had just heard that there's such a thing as a medical writer. And I thought, well, that sounds good that's what I want to do. And I would look for job descriptions. Every week or so, I would go on the job boards and look for job postings. And there were very few, there were hardly any. And then one day, there was one search result for medical writer. And I did not know what half of the qualifications even meant. But I had decided I was going to be a medical writer. So I applied for the job. And the recruiter contacted me the next day, went in to meet the recruiter, had a series of interviews at the agency, and, and I was offered the job as medical writer. And that, that was a really great experience overall. 
what I didn't realize was that I was being hired into an advertising agency and they wanted actually a medical copywriter to work on their brands. So I had a lot of on-the-job learning about the advertising industry. But what my employer really liked was that I had knowledge of the medical side of things and that I would be able to interpret scientific documents and then they would teach me how to bring that into an advertising environment. And so what was it about medical writing that attracted you? Because you said you knew that's what you wanted to do. And it sounds like maybe your undergraduate experience or your graduate experience provided you with this foundation to be attracted to medical writing in the first place. Yeah, well, throughout grad school, I mean, I'd had opportunities to write papers for coursework, but also to co-author research papers. And I really liked being in the document, like in the Word document, you know, putting together content and stories and presenting the work. I really liked that. So I felt like I had an aptitude for it. And then when I heard that there is a medical, like you can be a medical writer as a job, I just thought, well, that's right up my alley because I like writing and I like science and medicine. And that's how it started for me. I love that description of being in the document, a good place to be, because that's how you feel when you're writing, right? You are in a place. You are in a place surrounded by words and text, and there's a there's a kind of tangible element to it. So I, I really appreciate that description. You mentioned that you got a lot of on-the-job training. What advice did you find most helpful at the beginning of that medical writing journey? So for me in medical copywriting, I found that I was really getting into the weeds or into the molecular interactions of the product in the body, like the, the pharmaceutical product and how it interacted. But for medical copywriting, you don't have to get that granular. You, you don't need to know that. You don't need to communicate that necessarily. And my creative director at the time, she said, Holly, you need to lose the lab coat because I was getting so, so involved into these details that we didn't need to be focusing on in order to tell a story of the product to the end user. So mm -hmm. losing the lab coat. And that's something I even said recently to my course students who I'm teaching medical copywriting to, which is to lose the lab coat because medical copywriting is different because you have that yeah. promotional slant to it. Mm -hmm. It's not quite the same as, as say, writing a, a manuscript for publication. Right. No, that's a good description. In fact, I think even in writing education content, losing the lab coat is good advice because it's very easy to get caught up in some of the minutiae of details of things when in fact, you know, learners need, obviously it's different from promotional, but learners need information they can use on the go. So it needs to be accessible. It needs to be not getting caught up in the, in the weeds. So I, I think that's good advice for other kinds of medical writing as well. And as you and as I, as you and I know, there are lots of different types of medical writing, but are there particular skills that you would say medical writers need regardless of where they specialize, whether it's copywriting or education or regulatory or working on the, the manuscript side of things? Yeah, so there are a few 
that have come to mind. And I, I posted about this on LinkedIn a little while ago, and I had posted four qualities that I thought were important for medical writers to have. And I asked for readers to add to that list. So I'll just share the four that I had put first. And the first one is being diplomatic, being diplomatic in terms of how you sort of address issues that are coming up rather than saying, you know, oh, well, that's not a good idea or you can't do that. What's a way that you can communicate that without having the other person, you know, be wrong or, or bad? So factoring in both sides, like the client side and your side in communication. The other one is intellectual. A lot of medical writing work really calls on the intellectual side of the brain. And so being able to be intellectual is a good quality. Inquisitive. So one of the things I, I also suggest to medical writers is, especially medical copywriters, always ask why. So when you're asked to write something or to include something, always asking why, like what's the reason behind it so that you can present the information accordingly. Because if you don't know the behind the scenes reason, like the reason, then it affects how it's presented to the audience. The last quality that I suggested was being resourceful. So mm. resourceful in terms of, you know, even knowing how to navigate yourself well on, on Google or on PubMed to find what you need, but also in terms of relying on your network and what kind of resources you have around you in general. So those were the four that that I had written, and I'll just add some that the LinkedIn said they suggested knowing when to step back from your mm. what you're working on, knowing when to step back and take a break, being thick-skinned when receiving feedback, being collaborative, being persistent, and being creative. Those were other qualities, and I tend to agree with a lot of those. And it's interesting that those qualities are they're characteristics and qualities that could be useful in, in lots of different kinds of employment and work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're not necessarily tied to medical writing, but I love that medical writers are suggesting those kinds of qualities because it kind of frees you up from seeing medical writing as this boxed thing that is hard to penetrate and that is somehow unknowable and hard to reach. And we'll, we'll, we'll probably kind of circle back to that in a few minutes. So I took a note actually of that LinkedIn post. So we'll, we'll try to make sure to link that in the show notes because I remember seeing that on LinkedIn. The other thing that was interesting about your, what you were saying there was about being intellectual. Clifton Strengths actually has a category for that that they call intellectualizers. And I'd never heard that as a noun before, but I kind of like it. And I think absolutely a lot of medical writers, you know, we kind of live in our heads in one way or the other, but we like to make connections between different kinds of things, different kinds of information. And that feeds into what you were saying about resources and being resourceful in and creative and using different kinds of resources. Are there particular resources that you find help you be creative? And are there resources that are, you know, outside the usual scientific and clinical places that we look for for resources in medical writing? 
Yeah. So in terms of resources for assisting with creativity, I always ask my clients for previous examples that their clients were happy with. So even if it's on the same brand or on a different Mm -hmm. brand, but just to see a sample document of something that the client liked, that can increase the creativity level because I know the framework already of something that was liked and approved by the client. So that's something I encourage writers to do is ask for an example of something that the client liked. Even when it comes to ad board reports or anything like that, just seeing that example can often be that springboard for further creativity. That's good advice. That there's also something about having that having a set of boundaries to push against, you know, having that known quality to 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 push against when you're in creative thinking mode. Yeah, because I know you mentioned, you know, like medical writers almost sort of being seen as being in a box. But at the same time, if you are in that box, it's so wide and big Mm -hmm. that it's nice to have at least something, some kind of framework to contain the thinking. And I think that's what an example of another project can really show. Yeah, no, absolutely. Particularly when you're, you're talking about people who are in the Clifton Strength description, intellectualizers, the connections that you could make can make a project really expand into something that is a little bit uncontrollable sometimes. And I think we've all, we've all been there. We've gone the, down the rabbit hole or many rabbit holes. You've worked as an employee and as a freelance writer and you, you run your own business. When people are at the beginning of their medical writing career, are there different considerations depending on whether you're kind of focusing on, you know, the freelance route or route, as I would say, versus the employment route, particularly in terms of, you know, the qualities that you were talking about or the kinds of skills that people should be thinking about cultivating? I would say that they're very similar, that the core skills, the core strengths, whether you're going into an agency as, as an employee or you're going to be freelancing, there's a lot of overlap. So I would say they're essentially the same. There might be some additional qualities as a freelancer that you would have to factor in, such as the whole business side of things, you know, invoicing, networking, and getting that consistent flow of clients. But for the most part, I think the qualities are the same really, is that employers want to know that you will be able to do the work, that you'll be able to do a good job, and then they will be successful with their clients as well. So like, I think of it as when I work as a freelancer or even an employee, I'm helping my job, my employer look good in front of the client. And I'm ultimately helping my client look good in front of the rest of their colleagues as well. So looking at it from that perspective really helps because I think I want I want the best for my employer, for my clients. I want them to look good. And how can I do that as a writer? Yeah, that's a great mindset. It's definitely something I've I've adopted as well. Do you think do you think that's an easy or a tricky mindset to get into the idea that you are trying to help other people look good? Because one of the things that you talked about earlier when you were sharing your list of qualities was to have a thick skin. And of course, another way of saying that is you have to leave your ego 
outside yeah. the room. Yes. But in fact, that's that's often very difficult. And certainly if you adopt the mindset of I am here to help you look good, you're having to leave your ego in another room. So I wondered if you if you had a perspective on that. Yeah, that's that's a great question. For me, when it was positioned as me helping my client look good, I felt relief that, oh, my job, I'm helping you look good. I can do that. For me, that that was really in alignment when I first heard that. And when I think back to when I first started in the agency in medical writing, I felt like I was so such a junior that I didn't really have, I didn't have an ego because I was just in sort of consumption mode or just taking in all of the feedback and all of the details because I knew that I knew nothing about advertising to begin with. But don't get me wrong, I've had cases where a client has provided feedback later on in my career and I you know, disagree with that. But it's about just taking a step back and realizing you know, each person's role in this, that we ultimately want to create the best product that we can for the end user. And if it means, you know, incorporate incorporating someone else's suggestions, if it makes the end product better, then I'm all for it. So when I looked at it from that angle that I want to make it the best for the end user, then getting input and ideas from other people was a lot easier. Yeah, that's interesting. I I share that share that uh, sense of relief in playing an expertly supportive role because you bring expertise, yeah. but you're, you're less of that kind of front-facing role than perhaps other roles. That's so interesting. What about qualifications? You know, thinking about employment, do employers prefer people with PhDs or not PhDs? In fact, you hear this dichotomy on social media quite a lot when people are talking about what are the qualifications you need to be a medical writer? Some people say, yeah, you absolutely need a PhD. And other people categorically say, no, you don't need a PhD. What's your take on that? That's so interesting because those are actually opinions from people. So people are sharing their opinion, whether they know it or not, that you need a PhD or you don't need a PhD. The fact might be that, you know, this company, company X, has on its job description that a PhD is required. So that might be a fact about that company. But in general, needing a PhD or not needing one is an opinion. And when I find that it can be really powerful to be able to separate out the facts from opinions when it comes Mm -hmm. to your job search and thinking about what is the opinion that you want to have or what will be the opinion that will be the most beneficial for you to have going into your job search? So if you're going into your search believing that medical writers need a PhD and you don't have a PhD, well, then you're not setting yourself up for success. Being able to change that that core belief will then change what sort of things that you see in the visible world. You'll start to see more cases of people who are medical writers and don't have a PhD because it's entirely possible to do that. So you're talking you're talking about mindset here. Mindset, yes. How important is mindset? How can people cultivate mindset 
at the beginning of their medical writing career? And what kind of mindset is helpful? Yeah, when it comes to cultivating your mindset, I find that thinking about who you need to be to have that role can help you see what kind of changes you need to make and how you're thinking and what you're doing in your current life. So when you think about getting that full-time role, and let's say you don't have a PhD and you think that that one is needed, who do you need to be in order to get that role? What do you need to believe in order to get that role that people say you can't get unless you have a PhD? Well, one thing you would need to work on that, on changing that belief that you can. and look at other aspects. What would that medical writer be doing? Who would they be networking with? What would their portfolio be like? Different things like that to come to form sort of a composite image of the medical writer that you need to be to get there. Because you won't be able to get there from your current place, your current mindset, unless you make some strategic changes that are in your favor. I think one of the mistakes that people make is that they believe that their mindset is unchangeable or they believe mm-hmm. something so much that they think it is a fact. So being able to look at your beliefs and really tease out what is opinion or a belief and what is an actual fact. Belief is so powerful, though. I mean, when we're talking about belief, for many people, beliefs are so in transigent. They are part of your identity. So what kind of tools do you recommend that people use to begin that process of teasing out beliefs that might be limiting or diminishing? Yeah, there are a couple of tools that are very powerful. And I urge the listeners to try out different ways to see what works for them. But visualization is very powerful. So even a short visualization, two minutes, five minutes, longer if you want, but visualizing yourself with that goal achieved. Other people find it very powerful to journal. So they'll journal in the present tense of what it's like being a medical writer working for this company. What does their Mm. day look like as a medical writer working for this company? You know, what time do they need to leave that? Well, are they working remotely or hybrid? What's their commute like? What path will they take? Thinking about all of this and journaling it out can also be really helpful in terms of making those shifts. And that approach to journaling takes you very much into affirmation territory, especially when you're kind of phrasing things in the present tense. Yeah. I am. That's right. And that that's so interesting. What about building a personal brand? Because this is this is something else that people talk about a lot, especially on on social media. What how important do you think building a personal brand is and what does that entail? I think building a personal brand is important to by putting in that deliberate thought or intention to it. Thinking about who that person is that you want to be and portray. So this isn't like a 
kind of you're pretending to be someone you're not. It's not that sort of thing when it comes to personal branding. But just taking a conscious look at how you want to come across on social media, but even in real life, because there's more, I think there's more to personal branding than how you come across in social media or, you know, what your background, you know, the background banner is like. It also has to do with how do you interact with people on a daily basis? Do you show up for meetings? Are are you always late when you show up for meetings? Do you keep your word or do you make excuses and not keep your word? All of these things, and to me, constitute someone's personal brand. So it's really the experience of interacting with you. And one can be on, on social media, but then there's also like a dynamic back and forth where a brand is being communicated. And how do you suggest medical writers begin the process of thinking about and cultivating a personal brand. And before you answer that question, I just wanted to, what is so interesting about the way you describe brand is, and the language that you use, intention, showing up, qualities, these are all, these are all part of civic character. Uh, you know, we don't talk a lot about civic character, I think, these days, and perhaps our presence on social media makes it easier for us to not see ourselves as having civic character, but I'm really struck by the language that you use that really is connected to the idea of, yeah, civic character, moral character. There's a morality there that I find interesting. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that that's really interesting. And I think that you've described that perfectly, is that it encompasses everything about the person as opposed to kind of just one aspect, one sort of two-dimensional aspect. And do you think that, I know I asked a question and we'll come back to it, but here's another question. Do you think that approach to things makes it easier for people to get over the barrier of selling? Because I think that one of the things that a lot of people feel really uncomfortable with is this idea that by building a personal brand, by communicating in a way that promotes that brand, you are selling yourself. And that's very uncomfortable for people. So I'm wondering, you know, in the approach you're describing where it's much more all-encompassing, does that make it more accessible for people to be the brand? I think it definitely makes it more accessible when you when you bring that human side, that human aspect into it. And I know you you touched on selling and, you know, even when you think about freelancers, you know, kind of selling their services, but thinking about selling from the point of view that it's not something that you do to someone, but that you, it's something you do for someone. So mm-hmm. you, you sell your services to help this person with their issue, with their problem. And if you think of it like, you have this talent and this skill and this ability to craft these documents, these medical writing documents, wouldn't it be your duty to inform your prospective client or prospective employer that you can help them with this? So reframing that idea just a little bit might take the edge off of personal branding, looking at it as your duty 
as opposed to something you are like imposing onto people. And that word duty takes us right back to character. It's so interesting, Holly. <laughs> the way that there's a, an organic shape to how you present all this information. And I think it also takes us into the territory of service and the idea that you can, you can serve people with your talent, with your skills, and also make a living. And that makes it more accessible for people. Yes, yes. And that ties back to how you can help your client look good. How can you serve your client by helping them look good for their colleagues, mm. by sharing your talents and skills? Yeah. So in your, your experience then, as we kind of wrap up here, you know, as a writer and as a medical writing coach, what are some of the most effective strategies that medical writers can use who are seeking employment to optimize their visibility and sort of position themselves in the marketplace? Yeah. So a practical strategy that I can suggest is to do the research into what type of medical writing position you're looking for and actually find back when I had a, a personal branding business um, and I was writing resumes, I would ask my clients to give me three examples of their target job description. So the, the target job that they wanted, even if they had to look in other regions of the country or whatever to find it, even if they weren't going to move across the country for their job, but just to find that example of the job description that was their target role and to look through the qualifications and responsibilities of all three of them and find out what are the common aspects mm. across all three and come up with a short list of maybe three or four things that you see commonly showing up in your target job descriptions. And then take some time to reflect on your own experience and see what experiences do you have that map back to those top three or four qualifications. Once you've mapped your experiences back, then you can take that to your resume or to LinkedIn and give tangible examples of how you have completed that requirement. This way, you're connecting the dots for the reader rather than making the reader connect the dots and readers aren't going to do it. So you really have to hold their hand and tell them how you are qualified for the job rather than just hoping that they would connect the dots on their own. Which is often what we're trying to do as writers anyway, is, is connect those dots in the most seamless way possible so that the reader can find their way through the forest, the path easily. Any other things that we haven't kind of touched on that in the work you do, you find is really important for medical writers to be thinking about as they are embarking on the journey of looking for employment or maybe moving into the freelance world? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to looking at who you need to be to achieve that goal of employment or freelancer. Yeah, looking at who you need to become and then being really discerning about the information you're hearing from the outside world about is it a fact or is it opinion? And really looking that maybe your belief is an opinion disguised as a fact. And once you've been able to sort that out, then I think you'll be able to pick up on what beliefs you need to have instead 
to get you to where you want to be going. And that process of discernment, of identifying or making distinctions between fact and opinion, and so many of the other things that you've talked about are, they need reflection, they need self-awareness. And this is not something that it's easy to do without a little bit of uh, support from, from others around you. Holly Hagen, medical writer, medical writing coach, thank you so much for sharing your insights and wisdom with listeners of Right Medicine. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Alex. It's been a pleasure. If you're like me and see yourself as a lifelong learner who loves connection with other CME professionals, come and check out what Right Medicine offers in terms of community and courses. And I'd love to hear from you what you're interested in learning more about on the podcast. And if you like the podcast or a particular episode, consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or share with your colleagues and peers. There's a link in the show notes to help you do all of these things. See you next time.